Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Take Fred on tour, they said. It'll be easy, they said. You did it with Violet, they said. Actually, no one said that. I said that to myself in my own head. I was wrong. I was wrong, guys. Oh, my God. What have I been doing? All right. Yes, I was on the road. This is Catherine Ryan, by the way. Welcome to Telling Everybody Everything. Fuck. All right. Yes, I traveled a lot with Violet. I did stand-up comedy gigs with her uh, from the time she was 21 days old. But let's be real. I was not being asked to do any more stage time than 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. And in terms of travel, I don't know. It was 12 years ago. I think I just forgot how difficult it was or I wasn't really being asked to go as far. I went to Edinburgh for a week of gigs with Violet when she was 10 months old. And by then, obviously, she could understand everything I was saying. We could do sign language to each other. She might have been eight or nine months old, but I mean, she could sit up. She could, you know, she's very like self-sufficient. And as long as she had me, she had home, you know, so she was chill. And I was doing probably a maximum of 40 minutes across two shows. And I would spend all day with her going around Edinburgh. And I was also 26 fucking years old. So I had loads of energy. Now I have long COVID and I'm 38 and it was difficult to be on tour with Fred. Mrs. has kicked off and it's a great show. The first night in Crawley, I was a bit nervous. Uh, I think I started the gig by being like, hello, anybody remember how to do stand up? And I really meant that when I asked it. I had some notes on stage. That's unprofessional, but Luckily, the people who like me are very understanding, very kind people who also probably feel like, hey, does anyone know how to go out and have drinks and have dinner and go to a comedy show? We're all in the same. Well, we're not all in the same boat. I hate that campaign, that COVID campaign. We're all in the same boat. No, 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 no. Some of us have a yacht and some of us are like Jack and Rose clinging to a frozen door frame. We're not all in the same boat. So here's how the hell of the aptly named Mrs. Tour first week went down. Show number one, Wednesday in Crawley. That was great. Went by myself. Drove down with Annie, did the gig, came straight back. No babies, no husbands, no problem. Although, I mean, there was a problem is that I felt very unprepared. I haven't been gigging. And a lot of people before I did the tour, they were like, oh, you're going to cancel your tour? I was offended by that. I thought, how dare you? I would always continue touring and working even with a baby. I think, though, what I didn't consider is the writing phase of the tour and the gigging in pubs during a lockdown part of the tour not possible. The whole pandemic preparation of my newest hour, which I think a lot of comedians are facing right now. They're like, what the hell? I've just been doing video chats, like Zoom gigs. I won't even do those gigs. So I've just been raising a newborn. And now, yes, I can go out on tour, but what have I been doing the past three months? Losing 35 pounds is what I've been doing. That's how big this kid is. He is sucking the life out of me. He is 20 pounds, which is how big you're meant to weigh. I mean, I don't know how much that is in stone. It's a stone and a half, I think. You're supposed to weigh that when you're like six to nine months. No, 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 Fred, just shy of four months, 20 pounds. Um, and I gained more weight than I should have because I had to take steroids in my pregnancy. Rah, rah, rah. It's a long story. There's a podcast on it. Anyway, I'm down 35 pounds. I'm knackered. He's a lovely baby. But I mean, yeah, I, what can I say? I've been filming. A lot of my filming's been pushed back that I'm making up for lost time now. I can't also gig and also breastfeed a baby exclusively. And I just can't, like, you can't have it all. They say you can have it all. 
lie, 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 lie. I can't say this. I can't stress it enough. So show one in Crawley was great, actually. It was wonderful. And I was supported by the incredible Tanya Moore. I always want to say Tanya. And I think that's an accent thing. In Canada, all the Tanyas I knew were Tanyas. Tanya Moore, who is a great comedian. Please check her out if you would like to. She was also in The Duchess. She was the officiant who married Shep and Cheryl in episode six. Fun fact, actually, Michelle DeSwart is supporting a lot of my tour dates as well, and she was Bev in The Duchess, iconically. So, I mean, basically, I'm very lucky to have people from The Duchess supporting me on tour. Imagine, I'll have the child, the child's going to do a couple of gigs. No. Um, She was great. And then we embarked upon Scotland. Stephen Bailey, my very good friend, producer, producer, presenter of Celebs on the Farm, uh, incredible stand-up comedian. He's open for Sarah Millican, John Bishop, and me. He's the greatest. He supported me because he lives in Manchester, so not too far for him. Far for us. The day kicks off, 11 a.m. Thursday. My mom was about to land uh, Friday morning while we were gone to collect Violet because Violet boards at school one or two days a week or I mean I'll be honest it's supposed to be two days a week it's no days a week currently but you know she did stay that night so we were doing kind of a handoff I had a house sitter coming she's a wonderful young lady but the last time she house sat for us I saw lots of shoe prints on the carpet not like muddy shoe prints necessarily but just you know like a forensic detective would see oh there are footprints in the sand you can see that on a carpet and that is not her fault uh she's british and british people like absolute scum don't take their shoes off in the house guys i know it's cultural and you don't know any better but you have to take your shoes off in the house the world is filthy like this is the country where the plague is from you should know better. You see people spitting on the road, peeing on the road. There are animals and God knows what trash on the road. And you walk around and then you come in your house and keep those shoes on. You come in my house and keep those shoes on. You know, when like anyone comes in, a photographer maybe, or like a workman, they come to the door and they go, did you want me to take my shoes off? Fuck you. Don't even ask me that. Don't put me in the awkward, embarrassing position of uh, shaming me into Britishness by going, oh, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's not fine. Always take your shoes off. If you darken my door, first of all, don't come over, number one. I hate having guests. But if you have to come over, take off your shoes. It's disgusting. And I have a baby. So, no, he can't crawl yet, but nevertheless... I have some beautiful floors and I clean them enough as it is. I've got four pets. I don't need you dragging in the outside. So I said to the house sitter, look, if you and your boyfriend come over, if you got people over, I don't care what you do. Eat what you want. Do what you want. Take your shoes off, please. She said, okay. We have CCTV all around the house. We don't watch it in the house, obviously, when people are house sitting. But we have cameras since the burglary all around the perimeter of the house. Do I not see this boyfriend in the middle of the night, not the middle of the night, the middle of the night for me, so what, 9 p.m., (laughs) going outside, walking all around the drive and out to the road to collect his Deliveroo snack with his socks on. So he had taken my instructions, great, didn't wear shoes in the house, but wore his shoes, his socks outside, effectively rendering them shoes. If you wear socks outside, those socks are now shoes. If you wear shoes inside, you're, it's the same. God, it's the same thing. So now I know that the outside was once again brought in my house. I, I have to sanitize the whole thing once more. Fuck off. People, get some house slippers. Wear some socks inside. Even your bare feet. I don't care. I don't care. But don't bring the outside and the inside. You have foxes everywhere, rats. God knows what. No wonder you're all sick. So... Lovely girl otherwise, takes great care of the dogs. And she was there to meet my mom the following day with the keys. So Bobby and I are getting ready to go to Scotland. Fred's coming to Scotland. This is the first week of the tour. You know, we're the touring family. We're essentially the Osbournes now. Yes, I did it with Violet, but in fairness, she was not three months old. Um, Bobby was packing his bag and he said, I got to get everything ready. I got a, I got a lot to do this morning in preparation for your mom's arrival. And I'm thinking, yeah, exactly. Get all the laundry done, wash all the bottles, make sure the kitchen's spotless, sort the dogs out, maybe like leave my mom a little gift. No, Bobby's like, I really have to get a a grip on the lawn. The lawn? 
yeah, I got to blow sticks off the patio. I got to like get all the leaves raked. I got to cut the grass. I got to, my mom is not going to arrive to the house and go outside in the pouring rain to assess your handle on the garden. But you know how Bobby feels about the garden. So I just was like, okay, you get the outside of the house ready for no one who cares. That's, that's what he cares about. Fine. I support him. But my mom definitely hasn't even noticed the garden. So I pack all my stuff, all Fred's stuff. Anyone who has a baby knows that even though they're small, they have a hundred million things. They have dummies. They have bottles in Fred's case and a breast pump because he is lazy and he likes me to decant all of the breast milk for him so that he can shotgun five ounces at a time from a bottle. And by the way, if you want to breastfeed, not everybody wants to, fine, no judgment. If you want to and you're struggling, just hang in there. Power pump. Use the breast pump once an hour. Make sure your breasts are completely empty. Stay with it because I had kind of a low supply in July and we were having to give Fred maybe a bottle here and there of formula every other day to top him up. And, you know, for me, that broke my heart. Is it fine? Yes, it's fine. But for me, I didn't want to do that because I didn't do it with Violet. But Fred was so effing hungry. Now I see why. But now he's exclusively breastfed again because guess what? All of a sudden, he turns three months old and my milk is like I could feed the street. So get formula if you want to. But if you don't want to, your boobs like sometimes just take three months to really get the memo and then make like 15 ounces on the spot. I don't know why. So... I pack all of Fred's things. This includes just the whole house, basically. And I've learned from having one baby already that you have to pack the bare minimum. You need muslins, 100%. You need a lot of sleepers, a lot of clothes, um, all your nappies and wipes and things because they are going to spit up and they just go through sleepers at this age. They have like poo explosions. You do need a lot of those things. But those can be rolled up real small. He needs his little teething granules, this skin salvation balm that I use for his face, uh, get skin salvation. It's made of olive oil and I use it on my lips and stuff too. It's just so lovely for their skin. They will not have eczema. They will not have skin problems. You just, you know, when they're teething, they get these red cheeks, slather that on your baby. They will love it. And, um, Bobby appears with a giant suitcase and he says, oh, would you like me to pack anything? Do you need me to do anything? And this is just, Bobby is the most wonderful, helpful, hands-on man that I have ever met. But still, his packing and uh, really needs really needs an overhaul. He will pack so many things in a large case. His case is probably three times the size of mine, and mine has everything I need for my tour, which is like makeup, wigs, a dress. Oh, that's not true. The dress was in a garment bag. And everything Fred needs, all in one small carry-on, if you're flying, case so he's got a lot to learn I was like listen Bobby when you have a baby you basically can't pack any of your own things that's the rule and you know I'm doing the emotional labor of thinking of all of Fred's things that he needs so that all Bobby has to do when he arrives is open the case to Bobby's credit he disassembles a vibrating chair that Fred likes brings his little screwdriver and reassembles it when we get to the hotel that is a huge huge necessity for Fred because he can sleep in that chair we set off we had two cases. We had the pram. We had Fred. We had my garment bag with my incredible tour dress inside. And we're thinking, should we take a car to our train station and take the train into Houston and then go to Scotland from there? Should we take a car all the way to Houston and then just jump on the train to Scotland from there? And Bobby said, do you know what? We've got the car seat. We've got everything we need in our car. Let's drive to Houston, park in the underground parking area and then take the train and I suggested yes this is a great idea love that underground parking we can park there for the entire four days that we're gone we set off in the car and around Houston station we realized oh hang on this doesn't make any sense a lot of diversions there's a lot of construction this road's closed that road's closed we were 45 minutes early for the train we missed the train because we kept driving around for an hour Fred's now had it Fred doesn't like being in the car at the best of times. But now he's going round and round and round in circles. We're asking people, excuse me, where's the parking? And like, you know, fuck you if you're the kind of person that's like over there and it's a guess. If you don't know, just say I don't know. 
finally, we contact my tour manager, Annie, who's inside the station wondering where we are. And I said, can you ask someone information how to get to the underground parking? She walks over and the man laughs. He's like, ha ha, that's been gone for two years. Why don't you know that there's no longer underground? Why don't I know? A little thing, sir, called the vid. How much have I been traveling around in the last two years? Zero. I did not know that you got rid of the parking and we really could have used a sign to that effect. There's no signage. So we went to, uh, I say nearby hotel. It was not nearby. It was closer to Russell Square, like a 20 minute walk away. And we parked in some underground parking of a hotel that we had to pay for. Great. The car's at least safe. We get a train an hour later. But by now, Bobby's pissed because Bobby is the logistical mastermind. And when things go wrong like that, he's just angry with himself. Whatever. It's not his fault. How could he have known? And I'm not even mad because I have that alcoholics. Not that I've ever been an alcoholic. That's all still to come. But I have that mantra of like, let me have the wisdom to know the things I can change and change them and the whatever to accept the f- I can't change everything I don't know see I'm not a real alcoholic yet but they have a wonderful saying you can change certain things and some things you can't so you got to let that go we get into the station we get on the train now we don't have seat reservations because we missed our intended train but we are in first class and there is some availability though less availability than before because during the pandemic they have changed two or three of their carriages into like premium plus which is not first class but it's not coach it's like some hellscape in between I don't really know so it's a bit touch and go we can't really sit together but we work it out someone moves no one wants to sit next to Fred and the pram is far away from us in the wheelchair area Um, you can put a pram there if there's not a wheelchair user so we did and we had to just basically hold Fred between us uh, for four and a half hours on the way to Scotland. And I mean, he did well. He did really well because he's never been on a train that long. I think babies like trains because there's motion and they have your attention. But Fred kind of, you know, he got mostly fed up. He had one little nap on the train, but he likes to move around and he wanted to go in his pram and he wanted to be outside. Like a train's a disgusting place to be for anyone. We arrive. We check into the hotel. I do the gig that night. Stephen Bailey opens. It's Glasgow. It's terrific. Mm, that venue manager, not exactly my favorite. He's like very jobs worthy. Um, and he had this big machine that looks like an airport scanner that you have to stand in and get misted with an antiviral spray. It looks like it costs several thousand pounds. I promise you it doesn't work. Ridiculous. And then each dressing room had one of those LED lights that is an air purifier too. Like all this COVID proofing. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Like I know that COVID's a real virus and it's around and we have to be careful of it and learn to live with it. But getting a huge airport viral mist, this and that, like all of that is garbage. All of that is such a waste of your money. Good luck. So I was misted. My temperature was checked. I thought of a really decent joke, I think. Uh, You know, if your temperature's over 37, then you can't come in. And I was like, oh, you know, uh, age this joke needs work but the gist is essentially oh a woman aging in television is the same as the covid temperature checks over 37 you're not coming in get it because you have to be young and hot i'm 38 um so we do the gig i love glasgow so 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 much probably that was my favorite gig sorry aberdeen and perth you were great but glasgow was my favorite gig of the weekend then after Glasgow, we sleep in the hotel. It's a hotel Malmaison, which in French means bad house. And the colors of it are kind of weird, like a lot of blacks, a lot of purples and reds. Like we're the naughty house. We're the Malmaison. And a lot of their slogans are kind of cheeky, reminds me of Hooters in a way. Uh, something about the breakfast, like make sure she's satisfied if she wasn't the night before and like a picture of a breakfast sausage I don't want to libel Malmaison that might have been a different hotel but I really think it was Malmaison it's right up their street um fine they had a delicious crunchy uh Thai salad with like roasted peanuts and stuff oh my gosh it was probably the best thing I've ever eaten and then in the morning 
We have a leisurely time. We take Fred for a walk in the carrier. We get back to the hotel, pack our stuff, and now it's time to drive to Aberdeen, two hours away. Uh Uh-uh, not two hours away. Aberdeen turned out to be three hours away, and every minute counts in the car with Fred. Annie had rented a car. It was manual. We drove to Aberdeen, but we did have to stop along the way to take a screaming Fred out of the car so that he could calm himself in the rain. It was all right, but it is stressful. You know, there's like just an existential dread with a baby that they could kick off at any moment. So even when they're not kicking off, you're actively entertaining them or cradling them so that they can sleep or holding the dummy in their mouth or just waiting for the next time that they're going to kick off, especially when they're out of their usual environment and I'm pumping milk with my portable pumps all along the way. So, I mean, you know, it was fine. Now we get to Aberdeen. We check into a hotel. Great. Fred by now has kind of realized, I think I miss my sister and I miss my bed and I want to be at home. So he's getting squirrely. But he goes to bed kind of fine. He doesn't have his usual bed. He doesn't have our bed. He doesn't have this snoo thing that he's got that rocks him, which is amazing. You just can't travel with that. But Bobby gets him down. I do the gig with Stephen Bailey. Again, super fun. I come back from the gig, though, and Fred's up. Fred's mad. He's used to having me during the night and I feed him when he wakes, but he doesn't really cry. But this time he was wide awake and he was upset. So I peel my dress off. I've still got the wig on. I'm just in my bra and pants now and I'm holding the baby. So it's a weird, it's kind of a weird experience to basically walk off stage and walk into your hotel room, get your dress off and you're handed a baby. I don't think... And again, it's my choice to have Fred on tour, but I do not believe that my friends who have babies are bringing those babies on tour. I just don't think so. Hang on. Let's call one of them and ask. Hello? Hi, Jeff Norcott. Hey, Cass. How are you doing? You all right? I'm okay. Do you mind if I ask you a question really quick for the podcast? Go for it. Um, you're on tour. Yes. With your brand new show, I Blame the Parents, coming to a city uh-huh. near you. Do you ever bring Sebastian on tour with you? And did you bring him on tour ever when he was a three-month-old baby? Uh, he came to a couple of shows locally when he was about one and a half. But no, but that's mainly because Emma really has had enough of comedy, generally. <laughs> like, it's more, <laughs> it's more due to the fact she's really over it. So she'd rather take on full responsibility for all the dogs and the baby than be near comedy. Okay. And I've obviously brought out the idea that I could look after my son here. You know, that crazy notion. But uh, it's tricky when I'm on stage. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm bringing Fred on tour and I don't I don't pretend for a minute that I'm alone. Bobby comes and I also have a tour manager, you know, or I could go out with a nanny. I did have a nanny when I was filming in Birmingham, but it's not going well and I don't want to do it anymore and I was just thinking I don't think the guys do this we don't and I'm sure it's because of some sort of gender socio thing but it's a really good gender socio thing and I'm happy to stick with it well all right I just wanted to ask I don't want to take too much of your day no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just having a little chat on Zoom with the fantastic Ramesh Rangan Nixon. I knew you'd be in a meeting with Ramesh. I'm going to call Ramesh. <laughs> I'm talking the two hottest acts in the game right now. This is, this is, top, this is high end. This is high end. So you're Zooming with Ramesh right now. I'm going to call him and see if he loves me enough to answer like you did. <laughs> bye. Talk to you soon. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Hello? Hi, Ramesh. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. I just talked to Jeff. I know he was in a meeting with you, and I wanted to see if you would also answer my call. So thank you both (laughs) for leaving the meeting. (laughs) Uh, How's it going? It's going badly. I took Fred to Scotland on tour, and he hated it, and Bobby hated it. And our tour manager was great, but didn't book us a hotel room for one of the days. So that means my three-month-old spent seven hours in a dressing room. It was hell. Oh, you're fucking joking. Nope. So my question to you for the podcast, if you don't mind, is sure. do you bring your children on tour? And did you when they were babies? Uh, the No, I didn't bring my children. I've never taken my children on tour uh, because they're sort of old enough to find it in, like, incredibly boring. So I just, um, I just don't. And they've got no interest either. They, they, they're... They've got zero excitement in, in coming to see me on tour. But our eldest son, Theo, we used to take him. He he sort of was born around the time I started doing stand-up. Yeah. And so Lisa and I used to take him to all of my open mic gigs. He's watched more shit comedy than maybe, 
anyone else I know. Oh. Because he, he, we used to take him in the car seat, and he would just sit in the <laughs> just sit in the back of the room, listening to three hours of pure knob gags for the entire <laughs> for the entirety of like top banana comedy and hove or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, well, that's so good. Yeah, so he's come a lot to stuff as a baby. And but he... there's no green room. We just, we just positioned him at the back of the room. Oh, my God. So he was, like, robust, and he didn't get annoyed with the travel or anything or get weird because... No, no, he was he was pretty fine with it. He's pretty accepting of it, to be honest with you. Although now he does have a massive aversion to uh, to puns. Yeah. I think, that's, I think that's from that experience, do you know what I mean? But, he, no, he was totally fine, but I, 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 just, I just feel like... A, Anything that involves them being any place for a long amount of time is a problem. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, I, I would, I would, bring, I would bring them on tour if I had to. Like, if I had no choice, I'd bring them on tour. But I would just load them up with as many screens as I could put in a bag as possible. I wouldn't expect them to actually interact with the evening. Yeah. At all. All right. So. Well, yeah. thanks for that. And also, you've. Um, uh, revealed that it's not a gender thing because you had a baby in the back of the gig so I can't really be like the men don't do this because you did <laughs> yeah we did we did I'm <laughs> sorry mate I would love to have helped your your sort of narrative but no that was uh, that was a deal alright well I'm a truth seeker so thank you for that no worries alright bye alright bye shit Okay, fine. Well, there's that theory debunked by Ramesh, though, you know, I think Theo was going to local gigs. He was not in Scotland. Anyway, the night in Aberdeen. It took me a while to get Fred down. I could see something is not right. He knows he's not at home. He's being weird. Eventually, though, we did get him down. And then he woke a few times in the night quite fussy. And I was like, oh, this is not normal. And then early in the morning, 6 a.m., he's up. That was fine with me because I was very interested in going to the beach. So Bobby and I got the pram together once again. A lot of comedians on tour are sleeping in, maybe enjoying a hotel breakfast. Not us. It's the crack of dawn, and we're watching the sunrise on the beautiful Aberdeen coast. Sea? Is that the Irish Sea? The North Sea? I don't know. But it was beautiful. There was a lighthouse and several little places selling like ice cream. And I don't know why. It was really cold. But um, I think there's a lot of good milk in Scotland. Coffee. And I had a few bites of a bacon roll. That's right. She doesn't eat rolls. She doesn't eat bacon. But when in Aberdeen, yes, I had some bacon roll. And then it was time to go to Perth. Fred fell asleep. His nap was shorter than it should have been because, again, he's not right. But we persisted, and we got in the car with Annie, ready to go to Perth. Perth was not as far, uh, it was maybe an hour and a half, but when we arrived, we noticed, what? We don't have a hotel in Perth. Um, Everything was booked up. Annie uh, doesn't have, you know, experience touring with someone with a baby, so she said, oh no, there's no hotel in Perth. We'll just hang around in the dressing room, and then after the gig in Perth at 10.30 p.m. at night, we will then drive the distance to Edinburgh, stay in a hotel there, wake up in the morning, take the train back to Edinburgh. I was like, "Um, okay, well, we kind of need a home base. We kind of have a baby, but never mind. That'll be fine. When we get to Perth, I mean, these dressing rooms, the theaters are old. As beautiful as they are, the dressing rooms are usually not. And that is me being very generous. So we get there, we put all our stuff in the dressing room, and then I took Fred immediately in the pram for a walk so that he could get some fresh Scottish air all bundled up. Even with the walk, we're in this dressing room for seven hours. And while I'm on stage, Bobby's trying to keep Fred asleep, happy. Fred knows something's weird. Announcements kept coming through the intercom, even though we were like, please, will you turn the announcements off? They were like, yeah, no problem. Beginners call, this is your 15 minute. And that would wake Fred up. I mean, it just was not ideal. And it's not like I feel bad for myself and Bobby, though I do. You know, when your partner's stressed, that's stressful for you. But I do feel badly for Fred because it's like, If he realizes that he can get out of his routine and that he can be awake at night, what I definitely don't want is for him to come back to London and be like, hey, remember Scotland when I was awake at night? That was cool. Let's do that every night because I've got a good thing going right now. He sort of rouses, eats, goes back to sleep. I love it. I don't want to totally make him tired and mess him up or stress him out. I don't want to do that, but I did that. He was not having the best sleep backstage. Once again, I walk off stage 10, 10 p.m., 
great crowd in Perth. Loved it. Very hospitable. Thanks again, Scotland. Loved it all. I walk backstage. Fred's awake. So I got Fred in my arms. Bobby is uh, incredible at getting things ready. Uh, If you said to Bobby, I need you to move all these boulders over this fence, Bobby would be like, absolutely. Give me the challenge. And he would make it happen. So Bobby's good at, you know, those logistical things. He packs everything up. He's been dealing with Fred. He's stressed. He's kind of annoyed. I think that we were in this dressing room. Uh, We get everything in the car. And then I come out with Fred. And there are people waiting at the stage door to say hello and take pictures. And that's lovely. You know, I always enjoy saying hi to people. I think it's great to see them. But when I'm holding a baby at 1030, it's a bit weird. Um, It's a bit... I don't know. I don't know what I should have done. Um, I took some photos. People are just going to have fun family photos now where it just looks like me and them and we have a baby together. Uh, Also, absolute photo evidence of my negligence. Like, what is that baby doing in all these pictures uh, in Perth at 10.30 p.m.? I was trying to transfer him to the car seat. But people didn't know. People didn't know that I was going to emerge from the stage door with a baby. So what are they supposed to do? Fine. Quick hellos, we get in the car, we drive to Edinburgh, Fred thankfully fell asleep, he does like the motion of the car. We get to Edinburgh, we check into yet another Malmaison, this one for some reason was completely black and red, because we are the cool, naughty house, and um, Fred did not sleep well, he just didn't. He, we had put him through too much, he was up in the night, really angry, um, just not himself at all. And then in the morning, we nearly missed the train to London as well, just because, you know, whatever. And that train to London was hell. That train to London was hell. I've been to Edinburgh and back several times. I've been to Edinburgh and back in a day. The train's four and a half hours. Nope. Seven hours today, Catherine. Seven hours trapped in a germ box with Fred. And there were so many noises on this train, so many beeps and rattlings. It's not the way you would think a train is like smooth, like good for a baby to sleep. Absolutely not. Beeps going off, northern accents. You know, when we start pulling into Newcastle, that Geordie accent, just no baby can sleep with that going on. Uh, Doors, like I never even noticed how much slamming and crashing. The drinks car comes by and it honestly sounds like smashing glasses cutlery and she's like would you like a cup shut up and it's no one's fault um i hope that the train staff don't think i was a bitch because i was in a bad mood i was stressed because everyone in the train hated us there was an old man it's like people don't think babies should be in first class but like some babies are first class babies what do you want me to do I once heard a rumor that Sunita turns left on an aircraft to go into first class and her children have to turn right with the nanny and sit in coach. And that is baller. You know, that is the way it should be. You shouldn't raise children on this like champagne lifestyle because then everything that they do is underwhelming. Like when I moved out into my first flat, it was shit, but I thought it was amazing because it was mine and I'd worked for it and I was living there in uni. And then when I went on trips, I, I thought, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Actually, forget that, because I saw someone once say, and I absolutely agree, that you need to spoil your daughter, spoil your daughter, take her first class everywhere, take her to fancy restaurants, because then she won't be impressed by someone's dusty son taking her to Florida, in <laughs> like the back of a Winnebago. And that's actually, forget it, forget everything I said. Yes, so Fred's in first class, so your dusty son doesn't impress him with some bullshit trip. And um, this man kept glaring at me because Fred was crying. Like, it's not like Fred is too having a meltdown. And even then, you know, that sometimes can't be helped. I'm saying that, I don't really believe it. But when you're three and four months old, like he was just had had a whole weekend of being uprooted, this massive upheaval. He was so tired that nothing I was doing was really settling him. And I don't let Fred cry for like ages. I'm talking about I couldn't settle him for maybe 60 seconds, but it felt like forever. And this man just kept turning around like, hmm, hmm. And he picked the wrong one. I was seconds away from being like, listen, bitch, you were once a baby. You know, back when the Germans were dropping bombs on this country, you were once an infant and your mother probably had to go somewhere with you and you cried and everyone looked at your mom like she was a piece of shit and she didn't deserve it and I don't deserve it now. So fuck you. Everyone here has been a baby. And my baby cries less than any baby I've ever met. 
Um, but he was just not saddling. He was pissed. And I think he could feel that Bobby and I were pissed because we had no forewarning that this four and a half hour train was going to take seven hours. And I was just like, for fuck's sake, this is too much. We could be in New York. We could be in New York by now, Fred. And he was mad. And he was just, he didn't sleep that entire time. We'd get him down. It was honestly like a old timey carry on film comedy sketch show. I would just get him to fall asleep in my arms. And then the lady would burst through the doors like, Woot, ding dong, would you like a cup of tea? Shut up, clang, glasses, all of this stuff. Like, it's just like, I don't want any cold drinks. I don't want any hot drinks. Since when is customer service so attentive in the UK? It was not their fault. You know what? You know the truth? I Yes, I would have liked a cold drink or a hot drink. I would have loved a glass of wine. But why are your carts sounding so smashy and just get away from me, basically? Because it wasn't about me. I didn't want Fred to be sad. I didn't want the whole train to hate us. There's nowhere to go. I hate that trapped feeling. There is nowhere to go. I kept leaving the carriage and just spreading out his fussing to different carriages. You know, it's like, oh, hi, everybody in Jay. Here I come. And they'd all roll their eyes. And I had Fred like (laughs) in my arms. Um, God, it was just, it was just not great. And then we get back to the station then we have to get the car. Then we still have to drive an hour home. Fred was not right that night. And Fred was not right the next day. But now I've got him back. I've got him back on track. He attended his monkey music class. He adored that. Huge fan. Huge fan of the bubble show at the end. And um, now he's in his bed. And my mom's watching him. And it's like, uh, you can't have it all. I don't know what to do. I'm going to Leeds tomorrow then Harrogate, then I have to be back in London for a Canadian press day for the book, The Audacity. You should get that if you haven't already. Publishers really care about those first numbers, and we're number three in the bestsellers chart, so thanks to those of you who got it, and thank you for writing all your reviews and your Audible reviews. Seems like everyone loves it, and you're writing nice things about my mom, and I'm reading them to her because, you know, you're so nice, and my mom's content was fucking amazing, so she smashed it. And then I've got to go back up to Leeds to do a gig in Halifax. So it's all like Leeds based. And I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should. These are my options. Write me a letter telling everybody everything. And please write it today. If you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday, the day that it comes out, October 12th, I'm going to need this info today. (laughs) Maybe I'll put it on my Instagram as well. Should I, do you think, bring Fred and my mom, because my mom's in town, to Leeds and we'll stay tonight and we'll stay tomorrow in the same hotel and I will just kind of satellite around with Annie to Harrogate or should I leave Fred here with my mom and with Bobby and with Violet and should I just drive back and forth because I have done that as well three hours to Leeds three hours back I'll be home at 1 a.m. I'll get to hang around during the day I won't have to leave again till 3 p.m. do the gig drive back home at 1 a.m. have my Canadian press day Saturday drive out, drive back. And then I'm at the Cheltenham Literary Festival on Sunday. If you'd like to come to that, I'll be signing books. I'm going to bring my mom and Fred to that 100%. Is that too much toing and froing? Aren't babies supposed to just fit into your life? Fred is not as robust as Violet was. That's what I've learned. He's like, I want to be in my bed, please, with my things. And why? It's because Fred is being raised by wealthy parents and Violet was being raised by poor single mom. (laughs) And those babies are heartier. BK, in your heart of hearts, if you had to make a decision right now, do you think my mom and I should take Fred to Leeds for the next two days or do you think he should stay here with everyone and I'll go back and forth? I can honestly say that I'm on the fence. No, don't be on the fence. Just tell me what what it is. Yeah, but if gun to your head, you had to decide right now, what would it be without putting too much thought into it? Go with his mother. Go with his mother. I think go with his mother too, actually. I do think that. And then at least you get us out of your hair for a couple days. And you're fresh. I am fresh, but I think if all else fails, it'd be with the mother at this stage of development in life. Okay. Yes, you're right. All right. Let's hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, I will look at the emails. And maybe my mom, who's in town, will uh, give some advice. Maybe Bobby will give us some advice. We never know on the Telling Everybody Everything podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In the emails today, just a quick one from a new mother with a 14-week-old daughter, my first baby. Listening to your podcast in the early hours makes the lack of sleep a little more bearable. Ah, oh, so sweet. My question, as someone who's breastfeeding, how do you handle the guilt of being away from your baby? I've left my daughter Madeline a few times, but I worry about her taking a bottle of express milk because she's so used to breastfeeding. But I know it's good for me and her to spend some time apart and allow others to take over once in a while. But I do worry about leaving her. Advice welcome. My advice is don't leave her. If you don't have to leave her, don't leave her. Um, if you have to leave her, then you have nothing to feel guilty about because that's the way it is. But if you're not comfortable with it, it's because whatever in your biology is really strong. And I know we like to negate biology now and be like, go do this, go do that. But like, as someone with those same hormones coursing through my veins for you, it is a reality that like your body's trying to keep you close to your baby. So if that's what you want to do, do it. Don't go for drinks or go here or go there because people are pushing you. I mean, like you'll enjoy it. And like your mother-in-law just wants to get her hands on the baby. Stay with your baby and tell everyone else to fuck off if that's what you want to do. If you have to go to work, then you have to go to work. Uh, or if you have to go for a walk, I mean, you can take your baby for a walk. I don't know. But don't feel guilty about it because Fred exclusively drinks express milk from a bottle. It's not a problem. And if your baby's not refusing the bottle, then it's fine. Right away, I'm telling you by the headline, I don't see a problem here. Help, my mother-in-law keeps cleaning my house. Catherine, bit of background, we live in a mobile home on the family farm. When we go away anywhere, my mother-in-law comes in and cleans. At first, I thought it was nice, as I was super stressed packing and I didn't get a chance to tidy up, but it has become a thing. And we went away this weekend and locked the house and put the key in the hiding space. When we came home, she had let herself in, had cleaned everything, including the medicine cabinet and the fridge, which she forgot to switch back on. I love my mother-in-law, but I have a serious hate of things moving, and she's made me so stressed out in case she thinks I'm a messy pig that won't clean our home. Help, what do I do? I mean, you let her clean your house. I mean, it's bad that she left the fridge off, but I wouldn't go like assuming. You always get yourself into trouble when you assume to know what people think of you. What other people think of you is none of your business. I feel like I don't know how many kids you have or what your situation is, but five kids deep, you're not going to give a shit what this woman thinks of you. You're just going to be like, oh, the house is clean. <laughs> just let her clean your house. I think she loves it, and I don't think she's judging you, though the privacy thing is an issue. If she's breaking into your house and cleaning it, that's odd. And if she's leaving the fridge off, that again is odd. Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe... <sighs> Let her clean your house. Let her clean my house. Would you like my address? And your mother-in-law can break into here anytime and clean the house. I don't care what she thinks of me at all. My medicine cabinet could use a good scrub. Maybe just talk to her and be like, thanks so much for cleaning the house while we're away. I, um, you know, I do want you to definitely switch the fridge back on though. And would it kill you to cook some frozen meals and, you know, just give her extra things to do. Keep this woman busy. Catherine, I have one particular friend in a friendship group that can be quite negative. She's also the type of person who says nothing goes right for her, but then she actively makes bad life choices and acts like the victim. When we catch up as a group, it inevitably turns into a therapy session for her. She also tries to make me hate my own life and drag me down with her. If she asks how work is and I say busy, she'll say things like, you need to leave or tell your boss <laughs> when I'm actually happy at work and I enjoy being busy. We're both the only single women in this group of friends, and she often talks about how hard it is for us being single. When I'm like you before you reconnected with Bobby, I'm happy not being in a committed relationship. 
I'm in Australia in lockdown, and we're about to be released back into society. I'm dreading catching up with her in a group setting, and I feel I won't have the patience to be nice or empathic to her. Her general negative vibe is really bringing me down, and I'm not sure if others feel the same. They do. Anyway, my question is, can I wipe her from my life whilst still remaining friends with the others in this group? If not, how can I learn to tolerate her negativity during group catch-ups without just being rude to her? Hmm, I didn't think it was going that way. I didn't think you were going to be like, how can I excommunicate this bitch from my whole life? But I like it. I like the intensity of it. Bobby, welcome to Telling Everybody Everything. I know you have experience in this area. We've spoken about people playing the victim before. What's your advice? Um, I mean, there's a few ways to skin this cat, so to speak, mm. but I do like the, you know, confidence coming to lockdown and just kind of like maybe meeting her with a bit of her own medicine, kind of putting it in her place, be a bit more aggressive or confident and kind of standing up for yourself or putting her, you know, just squaring it up. Um, the other option is obviously just, you know, eliminating your relationship with her. Sometimes there are toxic people in your life, I find, that you think you can keep making it work, but they drag you down, they bring your mood down, and that is certainly not worth it. So there are two options there, in my opinion. Yeah, but what do you think she should do? I don't know the ins and the outs of it, but it sounds like she has a group of friends, and she, if she wants to remain friends with the group and have all these things, she has to put up with it. Ugh, I don't know. I mean, you and I just kind of moved away. We had some friends like this, and they really suck. And everyone knows they suck. People have different levels of tolerance for it. Um, some of them, like, hijack one friend who likes to be the listening ear, and she has to deal with a whole ton of bullshit. I was never going to be that friend. I'm just, I think... But I, you have to just distance that person. Yeah. You can't, like... Especially after lockdown. I like it. You're like, life's too short. I've been trapped in my house for two years. I don't need this shit one really good thing with people, I think, who uh, get into a circular logic of victimhood is not to give them any advice, just to say, what are you going to do about that? Oh, yeah, that sounds bad. What's your plan? Oh, yeah, that's your next move. And I guess if she tries to drag you into it, I think that's so funny. <laughs> We're the only single women and we hate our lives. Just pipe up. Be like, no, I don't hate my life. I like being exactly. single. Just stand up strong. Stand up strong. And... You know, use your time wisely because you're in Australia. You will be locked down again. Bobby, any opinions about the lockdown or the vaccine rollout? Dad, we probably shouldn't get into okay. that. Okay. Wait a minute. Do you know who's the dad that I forgot to call? And I forgot was the dad. They sent me a beautiful gift for Fred. Is Rob Beckett. Let's ring him. Hello, Catherine Ryan. Hi, Rob Beckett. How are, How you? are you? I'm well. Congratulations on your brand new book, A Class Act, available everywhere. And on Audible? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and Audible. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Congratulations on Audacity, your book available everywhere and on uh, Audible. <laughs> you might have guessed. You're smashing it though, aren't you? No. You're selling loads. Yeah, yeah. Number three on the bestseller, but not next week. Well, you're on the podcast telling everybody everything. And um, I was oh, just... Oh, am I on it now? Yeah. Oh, cool. You didn't even give me a warm-up. I could have said something career-ended. Not you, Rob. Never. But I do have a question. I took Fred to Scotland. It was hell. And I was yeah. thinking, like, do other comics take infant babies on tour or am I a mug? Did you take either of the girls on tour when they were babies? No, we've not really done that um, on tour thing. But then I wasn't breastfeeding. I don't know if you are breastfeeding. Yeah. But um, that's, I think that's the issue. But um, I would suggest I w if it was me and Lou and Lou was performing and breastfeeding I would travel separately oh no I would I think uh, Bobby should take a bullet and travel separately with the baby because I think that hear me out here Catherine I think it's better to do some separate solo parenting so that the other person can focus on what they're doing so you can go and do your show concentrate and then when Bobby's had a nightmare of it he can hand the baby to you after your show or in the morning and then you can take her for the day and he can rest a little bit do you know what I mean yeah so I think that is an argument but Scotland is a brutal journey it's a bit different if he's just driving down down a few hours away but um listen uh, yeah, if, if the, the yeah. train back was meant to be four and a half hours it was seven. Oh my god trapped in That's a tube horrible. I know we we took a uh not a baby an infant baby it was like probably a year old a year old or 40 months old to Disneyland Paris and she we got delayed three hours coming back and it was hell the train home was fucking hell and a train with a baby the, the noise can't escape 
I know. And everyone looks at you like they've never been a baby. I know. I I hate that. I love it when someone's kids go mental on a plane or train because I'm so happy it's not me. I know, but you know what? We're on TV now, so I think I told a few people to fuck off, and they're going to know it was me. They'll be like, a really ugly version of Catherine Ryan in sweatpants told me to fuck off. <laughs> well, we, we and Lou had to help a woman in the in a, the gym cafe the other day. Her two-year-old was going mental, and like it needed to be like properly told. She needed to be properly told off, but the mum couldn't properly tell her off because she had a five-year-old in the swimming pool oh. and doing a lesson, and she had a four-month-old baby strapped to her chest in a papoose condoms so we said <laughs> yeah so we said do you want us to take the baby while you sort the toddler out because the kid was going mental so we took the baby and then the mum could sort out the kid so Aww. you know that 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 sort of helps but um yeah if, if the baby's crying what can you do That's the she'll love that now she'll be like tv's rob beckett took my baby and soothed we've still him. got the baby yeah <laughs> we kept it we wanted a third, but Lou didn't want to be pregnant, so we're just going to keep that one. She keeps coming around the house, but we keep telling her to go away. That's, That's what Madonna did, isn't it? It is. That is the way to do it. You know, I look at people <laughs> who did, like Kim Kardashian's whole surrogacy thing. I'm like, yes, why didn't I think of this? You can do that, yeah. especially in America. Oh, yeah, exactly. So she did the last one surrogate, all, all surrogate. She did two herself and two surrogates. Okay. I think she's done to herself. That's fair enough. She's had a go, hasn't she? I mean, she nearly died both times, so yeah. Did she? Yeah, she had that placenta accreta thing. Her placenta basically grew like outside of her womb into her body and was like grabbing onto other organs. And the doctor... Was it going into her ass? Yeah. Oh, Is yeah. Is that where it was going? <laughs> Is that allowed? Is that, am I allowed to say that? Of course. Of course. Um, that's a thing, Obama. But yeah, because no, yeah, the placenta is a right lively thing, isn't it? The old placenta. Yeah. It does all sorts, doesn't it? I didn't really know what the placenta was until I saw it come out. Did you eat it? I wasn't really across it. No, I didn't eat it. No, I did. you, you probably eat it, haven't you? Yeah. yeah that's the kind of thing you'd do. <laughs> you I, didn't I, I, weren't, I weren't hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I weren't hungry after the birth. <laughs> no. Well, Rob, I don't want to take up too much of your day. I just need <laughs> to ask you this. Um, congratulations yeah, on the book, A Class Act. And oh, then thanks. your tour is called Wallop, or is that the last tour? Wallop, yeah, but it's, it's, it's well, it was, it's not the last one. It's the one that got postponed, but um, oh. that's uh, basically, uh, all, yeah, it's all sold out now. But thanks for the plugs anyway for the book. And uh, yeah, um, you know, the baby will be big soon anyway. We need to get you back on the, pod, the parenting podcast. I know. I had a whole new baby just so I could come back on as a guest. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, well, good luck with your book as well, Catherine. Thanks, Rob. Um, let's catch up properly. Come round for a play date when your baby's bigger. Yes, please. Are you going to the girls. Cheltenham Literary Festival? Yes, on Friday. Oh, no. I'm there on Sunday. I won't see you. Okay. Okay. Oh, also, we get a dog as well. What? I appreciate that. Yeah, what? we get a dog, a, a little whippet that's coming in three weeks. Oh, that's tough. A little, little grey whippet. That's going to be fun, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. You've got dogs. You seem happy. Yeah. You have but- dogs when you go away. Well, we have a house sitter, but I mean, listen, she doesn't take her shoes off. Or if she takes her shoes off, she wears her socks outside, thereby rendering them shoes immediately. It's a whole thing. But my dogs aren't dogs. Like a whippet is a dog. Like you're going to have to go and exercise. Apparently you don't really because they've got no stamina. They oh. go for like a 45 minute walk in the morning then they're done. They sleep all day. Oh, like a greyhound. They run really fast. Yeah, they're like, they're like little greyhounds. Perfect. Oh. Anyway, well, I'll, I'll go now, but thanks, Catherine, and I, I hope I helped. I tried my best. You do help me always, Rob. Thank you for that. I'll pitch it to oh, Bobby. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Sorry for that whiplash, but I thought we should hear from Rob, and he does not take his children on tour. Um, he has an incredible parenting podcast with Josh Whittacombe. It's really funny, and his book's really funny, but do not buy it unless you've bought mine, because if he beats me in the bestsellers next week, I will be fuming. Okay, another email now. Catherine, I want to fuck my tattoo artist. I've been single for over two years. I love my independence. I have zero interest in spending precious time and energy on men and directing it away from myself and my goals. But she is thirsty. This is meaning herself. I recently got a new tattoo and I appear to have a crush on the tattoo artist. It's the most intimate situation I've been in since the start of the pandemic. I've got zero game and I can't tell anyone... Oh, I've got zero game and I can't tell if someone is into me, so I have no idea if it would be wildly inappropriate to send a spicy photo of my tattoos in all their glory. It feels irresponsible to keep getting tattoos in increasingly thirsty places until he gets the picture. Or if he tells me, no, don't get one on your labia. 
I need your advice. Is it worth spending energy to try and scratch this itch? Or should I invest in a new vibrator and keep the fantasy in my head? I may want another tattoo in the future. And the business next door is my favorite place to get my lashes lifted. I see. You want to fuck your tattoo artist. You don't know if this is like you know, constructed intimacy because of the situation of getting a tattoo. I think there's a lot of sexual energy there. Maybe there's trust. There's like, you know, relinquishing control. There's a little bit of pain. Some people associate that pain with a good feeling. I've heard from people who have tattoos. I have no tattoos. As the old adage goes, why put a bumper sticker on a Ferrari? Where does that come from? Where does that come from, Bobby? Well, Ferraris are very... No, I understand what it means, but like who first said that? I don't know. Oh. Well, I keep quoting it. Carrie says it all the time, even though she has three tattoos. Don't tell my dad. Um, so you don't want also to have like bad vibes with this business. And if you fuck the tattoo artist and things go wrong, it's messy. Or if you offer yourself up to the tattoo artist and you are rebuked or there's bad blood there, you might not be able to get your lashes done in that place. I get it. Also, you don't want, you know, your body to look like an Etch-A-Sketch just in pursuit of this lust. So, I mean, Bobby, have you ever fancied your tattoo artist? Well, the problem I have is that I only have, I have three tattoos and they're done by uh, just guys. Men, and one, you don't fancy well, men. one man, and I didn't fancy him. You, you went to the same tattoo artist for all your tattoos? Yes. Mm, well, this girl wants to bang her tattoo artist. Do you think she should? Well, first you need to find out. I if, need to figure out if he's single. Yeah, if he's interested, if he's, like, in a committed relationship or not. She... I wouldn't send it photos. Goes and it goes bad, then, I mean. Exactly. Okay, so don't send the unsolicited photos because, first of all. It's like, don't fuck your nanny. Yeah, don't fuck your nanny. Oh, you mean like Jude Law? Well, like all those guys. Yeah, all those guys, yeah, yeah. You don't want to lose a good business relationship, right. is what Bobby is saying. What is more important to you, fucking someone or having the place to go to get your good eyelashes, to get your good tattoos? I think I would put that above any sex that you can get. Because you can have sex with someone who's not talented. Just go out there, have sex with someone who does not provide you with essential services. And then it can never go wrong. And I think definitely don't send him photos of like naughty tattoos because he's seen a thousand labias before. He's been tattooing them. To him, it's just like, that just looks like work, you know? I think even though there's been a pandemic and you haven't had a lot of human interaction, you still know when someone's into you. There are vibes there and intuition. So like use that. But I think Bobby and I both feel like you should just fuck someone else. Fuck someone who is not talented. Like Bobby does. I just saw Jimmy's free. I'm calling Jimmy Carr. Oh, hello. Hello. I'm calling from the podcast, telling everybody everything. And by the way, congratulations on your brand new book, Before and Laughter. Oh, well, thank you very much. I believe you also have a book out, just in case. Um, uh, we're twinning. I we're know. twinning on books. Actually, a lot of our friends have got books out. I think it's because, I mean, you did a double, but most of us in lockdown, we had an ultimatum. It was either write a book or do a podcast. You've done both, girl. Well played. And the baby. And a baby. Well, I mean, the baby. Everyone's had a baby in comedy, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I now. Mean, I've had one. Ex- I know I've had one. This is it. Cat's out of the bag with the book. Now everybody knows that you have a baby. So I wanted well, to ask I mean, you. How great How great were the Daily Mail? They never get any props, right? The Daily Mail, everyone's always slagging them off. But they very nicely did a story about me pushing a pram for two years, but never said I had a baby. They <laughs> yeah. kept it open. They kept people guessing. Maybe he's taking old CDs to cash converters. I know. I remember reading one day that you had the, maybe his dog is in the pram. Maybe he's looking in a letting agent window. Maybe he's got some paperwork for a new house in the pram. It was wild. I, 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 I must say, I think it was kind of funny of them and kind of respectful that I wanted to keep quiet. Listen, let's give credit where credit is due. Um, so go on, what's, uh, what's, what's up with you? What do you need to know? I'm, I'm, I'm full of wisdom. You are full of wisdom and there's loads <laughs> of wisdom and <laughs>, laughs in your book. Um <laughs> Basically, I took Fred to Scotland on tour, and it was absolutely hell last weekend. We were in Glasgow, Aberdeen, Perth. We did not even have a hotel in Perth, so he spent seven hours in the dressing room. And then after the gig at 10.30, we drove to Edinburgh, spent the night there, and took a seven-hour train home. Why? Why? What the fuck am I doing? Do you bring your baby on tour, and how can I do better? Because this is not sustainable. Okay, so I, I've, got, I've got questions for you. I've got boring parenting questions. Are you currently breastfeeding? Yes. Well, then you have to. You have to. It's like, and, <laughs> and 
you know, well played. It's great for their immune system and everything. But you absolutely have to then because, you know, you're a boss, you're a working mum. And it's like, the only thing I could, you know, tell you is like that thing of the forward planning of like getting a hotel, getting, you know, you're doing fine. You're doing fine. You're going to need two rooms in the hotel. You're going to need one room that's the baby stuff and the and the, whoever's looking after the baby that day. Um, you got a baby daddy, right? He stuck around, did he? So far. He's okay. So far is the right answer. Um, but he's there to look after the baby. I think you're going to need to be on a napping schedule that's similar to the baby's. You're going to need the afternoon naps and to plan the day just a little bit more because it's just it's just hard, right? They're exhausting. Well, I've taken now. I tend to not take the baby on tour because I go out wherever you go in the country. I can get to in three hours, pretty much. Yeah, and then I can always get back. So it's that thing, and then I can get up with baby. But then around one o'clock, I'm like wiped out. So if I'm working again that night, I just go. I'm gonna go. I'm I'm taking the same nap as the baby. Yeah. Well, that yeah. seems to be the sensible thing of just like going. You actually need another couple of hours sleep. There's a reason babies take naps because they're exhausted too. They're giving off exhausting vibes. They are. <laughs> they are. But then I can express milk and someone else can give it in a bottle and there's loads frozen in the freezer. So I'm thinking, do I do like you then? Because I'm in Leeds this weekend. Wait, 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 wait. All, all I heard there was a cash register because that feels like the kind of thing that your crazy fans would buy online. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, Catherine Ryan breast milk. That feels like that's another income stream. What are we even doing giving that to the baby? <laughs> I know. Oh my God. You're right. I should be like a dairy cow and just <laughs> keep <laughs> pumping forever. You should be like a dairy cow. That's how I've always seen you. Thank you. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> presumably the breast milk is partly synthetic. I mean, there's been some work done, right? <laughs> yeah, people are actually amazed that I can breastfeed. Oh, really? Yeah, because they think people, if you have faked people it... People don't know basic biology, do they? No. It's, it's extraordinary. It blows my mind how little people know about how the human body works. Well, plus, I was but, born a man. Uh, yes, you, uh, yes, a young Korean boy when I first met you. You've yeah. done very well. Um, so I would say uh, I would say that the planning stage, the, you know, you're well looked after. You've got good management, good people looking after you. You need someone to kind of plan it. Like, I remember, like... When I sort of going back to work, like just after the pandemic and the office going, oh, this is great. So you've got the gym on a Monday morning at nine o'clock and you're in Newcastle the night before. And you go, yeah, yeah I mean, wait, when am I? How do I? Yeah. How, how are we doing this? And like the logistics thing of touring is like, sorry, this is really inside baseball and boring for the listener. But that logistics thing is like if you're going to gig six, seven nights a week, you have to get that stuff right. And you have to build in a little bit of like human error like no one's ever going to work for eight hours straight no one's ever gonna you know do a gig and then travel for six hours and then sleep for four and get up and do it all over again you have to build in a little bit of have to be a little bit of self-care i think is what you probably need seven hours on a train with a baby sounds crazy to me um but you know i mean people do it how, how much touring have you got coming up because i would say the other thing is having a night away from the baby is a very healthy thing. Like at some point you go, look, I need a night away and a lie-in. Yeah. And again, a little bit of self-care for mum. Well, my mom's mom's here right now. She's here for the next two weeks. Um, Yeah, the thing that that I worry about with your mum, and I've met your mum, she's a very nice lady, but she also, her parenting gave us you. And you seem (laughs) troubled. I know. I'm not sure whether she's the go-to. True. Although sometimes it skips a generation. I believe the royal family, the Queen and Prince Philip, are not regarded as the finest parents in the world, but their grandchildren think they're amazing. So yeah. sometimes it skips a generation. So maybe she'll be good this time around. Who knows? <laughs> well, thanks for that. Thanks for that. So what wisdom. have you got coming up? Tell me your tour dates coming up. Tell me what's going on, and we'll sort of let's let's have a look at the let's get into the weeds. What have you got coming up next week? Uh, well, this weekend it would make sense just to stay in Leeds because I'm Leeds, Harrogate, Halifax. But then they've got me coming back to do a day of press on Friday in London. Um, in the middle so I was thinking maybe Leeds is only three hours like you say maybe I just don't take Fred to a hotel I don't take Fred and my mom with me at all I just leave everyone at home and I drive to the gig drive back drive to the gig well, drive here's, no, well here's my plan for Leeds right you go up to Leeds that's two hours on the train from Euston yep. right oh no from King's Cross two hours from King's Cross London Leeds that's an easy train ride uh, the station is close to the hotel you stay in the nice hotel, you get two rooms in the hotel, one for mum and baby, one for you, or whatever, you mix it up. 
Kira, you doesn't need to be the nicest hotel, but you need two separate rooms so you can sleep when you want to sleep. Mm. And then and then you just commute in and out or either on the train and a car back, or that's the easiest way. And then you come back at your ease, like you check out late the day after the last gig, you don't rush home. Yeah. That seems like you've got, that's a really good idea, like a base and then you've got little satellites. That's what I often sort of do, a base and then little satellites. This is what I was thinking with the satellites. I think Scotland for week one of the tour was just a shock. And I think nothing's going to be as bad as Scotland. But the press day, the idea there's a press day and you go, yeah, I just, I'm going to come back for a press day. No, just go, right, I'll either do it remotely or I'll do that on another day, put it the next week. You yeah. know, the book's still, get, you know, we've got 11 or 10 weeks till Christmas. And I, I know everyone's, you know, you, we're kind of out there shilling our books. Mm. But you again, a little bit of self-care to go, look, the gigging is the important thing. Books and TV and everything else is fantastic. And we love it. But live stand-up is absolutely what our job is. So putting the time and the effort into that is like, that's, that'll pay off. That's the thing that everything else came from stand-up. You're fantastic at doing stand-up, but you need to be fresh and have a bit of energy. I think that thing of like little satellites and when you can take baby, take baby. And when you can't, then, you know, you get home as soon as you can. Thank you. That makes sense. I mean, I mean, that's me. That's my take on it. But I mean, you listen, you're, you're a goddamn boss. You'll be fine. You you'll always have the answer. All right. I love before and laughter. Congratulations on the book. And when we're oh, both you, you, not on tour. You're not a sweetheart. No. Uh, yes. And well, well, I, I had someone like compare our books the other day. Someone was going, you know, are you are you worried about Catherine Ryan beating you? I was going, no, no, we're friends. Yeah. We're not frenemies. Yeah. It's like that weird thing where people think because you've both got a book out, there's like a competition and it's like, oh my God. But you're, I mean, I've always said this, your success is my success. I love it that you're doing so well. It's, it's gorgeous. You're being so nice. It's bad for the brand. Oh yeah, okay. I realize, but you know what? I'm a, I'm a father now. It's not, it hasn't yeah. softened me. If you can't, honestly, the new tour, oh my God. I can't oh wait to God. see. I know. Emily told me she got to see a really early work in progress, and I was jealous because I just, I don't know what I was doing, raising the baby, but I need to come out and see your tour. Yeah. Well, no, Emily Emily came along and had a laugh. I think she hadn't seen me in a few years, so she was going, well, that was, that was funny. Yeah. I, I, thought we just, I thought we just chatted and went for walks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, listen, I'll leave you go, but you're the best. Take care. You're the best. Bye. All right, bye. What a long podcast today. A very special episode of Telling Everybody Everything. I just had to tell the guys, and I called them kind of out of order because I kept remembering who had and hadn't had kids. Uh, this is my disjointed mind right now. I think my my takeaway is stay in Leeds, shack up there with my mom, have the satellite gigs, have Fred with me, give Bobby a little break so he's refreshed, he can be with Violet, and they can do like grown-up things like go to Starbucks and Wagamamas and have fun. And that's what I'll do. And I'm so excited. Please don't think that my stress and tiredness has anything to do with how much I love doing stand-up again. I am so excited to bring the Mrs. Tour to Leeds and to everywhere else all around the country, um, the UK, so many countries, and Ireland and Wales and Scotland again. I'm back in Edinburgh soon. I mean, it's a privilege and a joy. So if you don't have tickets for my tour, many dates are sold out. Some are not. Also, handy little tip, if you ring the venue, they always hold production tickets back. If you just turn up on the day, often you can get two or three together in case I have like guests who are coming and I never have guests. So I'll always release those tickets. You can buy my book, The Audacity at the Tour Dates, or you can order it online. It'll be here tomorrow. I love that you are listening to The Audacity on Audible as well. Thank you so much for all your nice comments. I hope that you are getting good sleep and good food and good friendship. And I hope you're looking after each other. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.